0: You're listening to unsweeten and unfilter the podcast, episode eight of season two. You make the doctor's appointments, drive your kids to the dentist, and make sure they're all getting the necessary nutrition they need to stay physically well. But when it comes to mental health, how do parents make sure their children are doing okay? In today's episode, we sit down with a mother and daughter who open up about their journey to mental wellness.
1: Hey, it's Danielle and Zaina, and welcome to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast where we elevate the voices of women by sharing their stories of struggle while also highlighting their success.
0: We wanted to create a space for women to feel like they're not alone in whatever hardship they
1: may be facing. Some conversations may be lighthearted, while others may touch upon taboo topics ranging from mental health to women's bodies and spiritual struggles, and we don't shy away from any of it. But our overall mission is to make every woman realize that she is not alone. We are all in this together, I promise. Our sole purpose is to
0: build relationships, not barriers, between you and the woman who may need you. We're here to provide inspiration and to build courage.
1: Tune in every Wednesday where we'll feature an insightful guest who will help us reach these goals. We laugh, we ugly cry, and we'll probably laugh some more. So plug in your headphones, grab your favorite cup of coffee or shea, and get ready to become a part of this unbreakable sisterhood. You are tuning into season two of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. So I don't know how many days I've been quarantined, and that's something that we're going to talk about because somebody mentioned like people shouldn't use the word quarantine unless you actually have we coronavirus because yeah. you're scaring people away you're supposed to say social distancing but voila, I lost track of how many days we've been at home and reason being is like last time it was like I think it was Friday but I thought it was Saturday and I was like what the hell
0: oh everyone's messing up their days it's very tough for me I'm not staying at home and I kind of wish I was I kind of wish I had that downtime but I'm out working still and it's it's been a tough week yeah it's been a lot like I couldn't believe that it's only been a week since we last met
1: even though Zayn and I are recording, we are social distancing, yes, yeah, like we're, we're pretty far apart, which is good because like, alhamdulillah, not everybody gets to have like an extra room in their house where they can record. So thank thank you, Zaina, for providing this space. <laughs> well, love, because it's nice. It's like pretty roomy. We yeah, yeah, we each have other. a
0: table basically. I kept my us. shoes
1: outside of your house. <laughs> I washed my hands, everything. So it's, I we're taking as many preventative measures as possible. But
0: again, but how are you doing?
1: I'm just not, to ask honestly, how are you. Doing? I'm not doing that good Only because I know you're. Just, you, people are trying To stay positive And I know we should stay positive There are moments Where I'm very positive You're looking at this And you're like Wow I get to spend more time With my family It's amazing Alhamdulillah You know all of us Are doing good And whatever But at the same time It's the fear That settles in at night When you realize like But well, what the heck Is really going on In this world You do see people That are contracting This virus it's, it's either they recover Or they die from it That's like the scary part And then there's no solution Again you guys We're recording this before Wednesday. So by Wednesday, who knows what the news is. Hopefully
0: something positive. But I understand that fear. And I think we kind of have to just take those measures, but not let that panic set in. Because that panic setting in is what drives people to basically empty out the shelves at Costco and and stock up for months. And it's like, I don't think, inshallah, I don't think it's going to get that bad. But my advice to anyone who is sitting at home don't just sit at home like a lot of states have that like stay at home um, order in place you can still leave your house and i definitely recommend going for a walk like we need yeah. that vitamin d we need that sun we need to see something other than the four walls of our house
1: yeah like zena is saying oh go out with your friends but no go, go for a walk have some fresh air go for a walk i opened walk the windows of my
0: house today and i almost never do that because i wanted the sun to come in i needed that because you need to experience things other than inside of your home and and what I also find very ironic is that a lot of us have wished for time off right like we wish for just like time to chill at home now you have it you guys so take advantage um the other day I went to Home Depot to pick up something for my husband and the lines were so long and I was talking to the uh the checkout guy and he's like yeah a lot of people are working on like home repairs things oh, that they've nice. wanted to do for so long so take advantage of this time oh, definitely that's, really nice. yeah. that's such a
1: good idea honestly you Not want that i'm
0: gonna be working no, on like but... there's if there's any other project that you have your your heart set on you just never had the time to do it now you do.
1: Also, last Ramadan, I really struggled because I felt like there was a huge disconnect between me, myself, my faith, and whatnot. I feel like every Ramadan was always successful. I was always reading the Quran. Everything was so good. I watched all these lectures. But last Ramadan, I don't know what it is.
0: You were just busy, I, I think. I think
1: it was busy, both of us, like with our work, with our podcast, with just life in general and everything. So I didn't get to experience Ramadan in the way I wanted to. And honestly, it really broke my heart. It really did to the point where I'm still talking about it today. So I think let's get a head start on watching lectures Listening to lectures re- Reading the Quran um, Reading any books That you have at home about Like you know Just hadiths And stories of our prophets Peace be upon them And everything like that I think that's Just even doing it For 20 minutes a day Can make a difference Like the other day I was watching Imam ammar Suleiman's uh, Instagram TV He posted it It was like 15 minutes You guys 15 minutes Is nothing. nothing But it was titled Like when will this be over I cannot stress enough How much you guys Should listen to it It was really really beneficial The way what he You know mentioned And how he talked about it It really did bring ease to my heart. It really did. And I absolutely loved it.
0: Yeah. And I think don't take advantage of this time by like sitting at home, just watching Netflix, like you have free time, utilize it, you know, use this time to kind of recharge mentally, physically, spiritually, like just reconnect with what's important to you specifically
1: spiritually yeah. i think sometimes you know we get so caught up with everything else that we kind of disconnect ourselves you know a little bit from Allah. like just be thankful for everything that you have that you have a home that you can stay inside of and everything like that and we don't want to sound preachy but this, these are things that we just realize you know what i mean and just even having a family to spend time with it's it's beautiful so we thought it was very fitting to release this episode this week which is with someone shatat who we've had before yeah, and we love her absolutely we so love much. her. She discussed her, you know, bouts with mental, with her mental illness, um, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and whatnot. But this time we also have her daughter Bayan Rafati in the discussion. So it's us four. It'll be me, Zena, Bayan, and Summer, and we're gonna be discussing their relationship as mother and daughter and how they have both combated um, mental health together. And I think it's beautiful how Summer has this open-door policy where her kids can come to her and discuss anything that is on their minds, specifically mental health. And Bayan is somebody who is very courageous. She's 17 years old. She wanted to come on here and discuss her story about what she's been dealing with when it comes to her depression, her anxiety, what she's been dealing with in school. I think a lot of us have um, either kids in school or we have cousins there in high school so it's like they're dealing with a lot nowadays especially because of social media too again not to point the finger social media but back then you know when we were done with our school day it was done you didn't get to see your friends unless you met up outside but this time it just it's on 24 7 it's continuous So. This is a really good episode. I definitely recommend listening to this with your family, with your parents, with your daughters, with your kids. I think it's really beneficial for us to just start having these healthy healthy conversations, especially when we're confined in our homes now. And there's nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. So let's dive in. Let's do it.
0: We have our first mother-daughter duo on the podcast today. Thank you, guys, so much for joining us. As many of you guys remember, we had Summer on the episode back in season one. I think it was like episode five. And today we have her daughter Bayan with us today. So um, why don't you guys just go ahead and introduce yourselves, um, Summer? If you want to go
2: first, I'm Summer. You guys all know me from the episode that Zaina just said, and I'm back. (laughs)
1: Better than ever. We're definitely going to get an update from you, Summer, and Bayan, who is the daughter of Summer Shetat, if you want to introduce yourself.
3: Well, my name is Bayan Rafati and I'm Summer's daughter, obviously. Um, I'm 17 years old, and I'm a senior in high school.
1: I want to honestly thank you, Bayan, for doing this episode with us um, voluntarily because you felt like this was something important to talk about. And I think it's just interesting how everything came full circle. We had your mom a little over a year ago, and now we have her daughter, Bayan, to discuss like what you're struggling with when it comes to your mental health and just being even a teenager and dealing with this, which is not yeah, easy. That's so hard. Being I remember being seventeen, and it was not an easy time for sure. I don't want to remember when I was seventeen <laughs> because life was hard. It really is as a high school student. Before we get into to all of that, I just want to see where you are, Summer, because I feel like, obviously, a lot could have happened within the last year that we have seen you, and I just want to, you know, just clue our guests in and where you are.
2: Mental health-wise, never been better. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah.
1: Alhamdulillah.
2: But and now I'm kind of, like, going through a new kind of journey, which is, you know, my birthday's coming up, and the age that I'm going to turn is the same age that my mom was when she passed. So it's like... So it's kind of like a slap in the face, uh, kind of like a reality check. You know, back at 16, I think, you know, your mom is, I guess, you know, old or old enough, you can say. But now that I am turning that age, I'm like, you know, it's like a reality check of like, my God, she really was young. And she had so much more to give and so much more life to fulfill. So it's kind of like uh, another journey that I have to kind of, you know, heal from. And go through. But alhamdulillah, this time I have the tools, and I'm aware of it. And I know that I can definitely conquer it. It's just, you know, it's going to be a, um, a sad journey, because it's, it's reminiscing.
0: Yeah. And like you said, you have the tools, you know what you're going through. So inshallah, you'll be able to navigate it in the best and most healthiest way possible.
2: I have no doubt. Yeah, inshallah, and you know, it, yeah. and it's not, not to be cocky, I have no doubt, because this, this time, it's much different. It's going to be easier because, again, I have the tools, I have the resources, I have everything that I didn't have when I, was, when I didn't understand the emotions and the roller coaster that I was on. Um, this one's not a roller coaster, and it's not what it was before. This one is more so of just, my God, she was young.
1: It's a realization for you. I think it's a realization for all of us because we do see our parents like, oh, they're older and stuff like that. But then when you really look at their age and now you're turning the age of your mom when she passed away, Allah you look like it's kind of sad. It's so sad because you see that, wow, she had so much more to live for so much more life so much more to just experience and then you realize her life was cut short and it's so sad to, to just even realize that so this is like another part of your healing journey to have to kind of go through but alhamdulillah you have a loving and supporting family and you're just you by yourself you're so so strong you really are summer thank you and i i, I love how you are navigating this and i and i really want to just sit here and appreciate the fact that you're doing this again where you are talking about your mental health and and your journey in your mental health and where you are and i think that's super important but now you have your own kids that are becoming of age and you have a teenage daughter you also have a son how old is your son
2: he just turned 13
1: oh mashallah. thirteen, mashallah. so you oh my god you have two teenagers <laughs>
2: under <laughs> one roof i feel bad for you because i oh my god
1: my parents had like three teenagers all at once like it's just like it's the worst it's a so lot yeah it's it's definitely a lot so how about like can we talk about again once again when did you decide to open up to your kids about what you're going through because when this was happening to you, this was years ago, and it was, they were much younger. So how do you open up to younger kids about something that you were kind of still, like, going through yourself?
2: I think it was and on and we were talking amongst themselves or kind of whispering of, you know, here we go again with her episode or what's wrong with mom or something. I think that's where I kind of just – I said either they're going to think their mom is crazy or because they don't understand what's happening or – I'm a miserable person, or is it them that's causing this, for, you know, this stress? I think that's when I finally, you know, sat down and actually wasn't even sitting down. Their rooms are, like, literally this way, one standing outside of his room, and she was on her bed in her room, and I just had tears coming down. I just explained, you know, the whole scenario. Um, I told them how uh, my mom passed and all these emotions that are coming through, and which I don't understand them. and that if I am causing you any pain and if you feel like it's you, it's not you. And they just both broke down in tears. They both broke down in tears. My son, Unwater, he just starts bawling his eyes out and he goes, I'm so sorry, mom. I never knew. And she was like in shock and crying and in tears, just like, I'm so sorry. So I think that's, that's when it was.
3: So like the thing is like, she never told us what really happened with her moms. All I knew was like, what caused like my grandma's death i never really knew the story or that she saw and everything all the details and i like the thing is i didn't want to ask her about it because i knew like if i asked her about it she wouldn't want to talk about it so the fact that like she came to us and like she told us everything it was just like whoa this happened and i remember i kept thinking about it every day like the fact that somebody had to see that and i was like my own mom saw that
0: I think it's so brave of you to just be open with your kids like they know something is going on they see the tears they see everything they're there experiencing it as well just to be open and honest with them about what you're going through I think is a step in the right direction.
1: Did you have any like follow-up questions for your mom Bayan like to really understand this because obviously this is like the first time Mm -hmm. Summer's opening up to you about what she went through and it's like that moment you realize like this is why my mom has her days and why yeah. she goes through this stuff and why she reacts the way she reacts
3: because mm-hmm. like well when she explained it to us she put it down like details and everything so I didn't really want to ask more questions because she was already breaking down my brother's breaking down and I'm breaking down so I was like I don't want to make it worse yeah and this was like years ago and like I don't really have questions about it anymore because like I said like she did explain it really well. But there are times where like when I'm going through what I'm going through and like I know my parents are going through something and sometimes I will feel like well if my parents know that I'm going through this why are they so hard on me? But then I also have to think about it and I'm just like wait they're going through their own thing so maybe we're just like fighting fire with fire back and forth. So that's how I think about it I'm like my mom went through this so like I can understand where she's coming from.
1: That is such a mature understanding because I'm telling you like when I was your age, I never had that understanding. I always thought you know at times we always viewed our parents as sometimes as our enemies, but they're really mm-hmm. not our enemies like our parents. Never had time for themselves to really take care of their mental health and where what they're going through. like our parents were put through a lot themselves, and we've had immigrant parents and then some are I mean you're not an immigrant here, but you're just somebody who dealt with the loss of your mom and actually witnessing losing a loved one, but specifically your parents. I can never admit I don't know what went through your mind and how you're able to stand strong today witnessing what you witnessed. But I think it's very mature of you but, yeah, to be able to be understanding of your parents and what they're going through and understanding like, you know what, sometimes let's just cool it down. And I'm not going to expect my parents to not yell at me all the time, you know.
2: But some, When I did tell them, um, you would think that I would walk away with relief. I actually felt really guilty and very selfish when I did tell them. Why? I felt like I kind of put bricks on their shoulders of they have to carry this now of this is what's, this is what my mom's going through. So now it's like she just said it well, I don't want to go talk to her about this because maybe she's having those days or something like that. So I kind of almost created a wall of, if you see me like this, don't bother me. I didn't want them to misunderstand that. So I felt guilty when I walked away. You know, like, did I do the right thing? Did I more so tell them this so they wouldn't think I was crazy? Or did I tell them to help them, but more so it was helping me you know? Do you I, know what I mean? I, I know what you what you're saying, but I,
0: I see it the other way. I think you actually help them because, like you said, they're thinking like, oh, maybe mom just doesn't like me today. Maybe I did something to upset mom. They don't. Exactly. They're kids. They don't know. And I think just explaining to them like, hey, like this is why I'm feeling this way. So they're they're not putting that burden
1: on themselves. They know why. That's I a think great that's, point, Diana. Yeah. Cause yeah, I think some you're always going to be really hard on yourself summer. And just naturally as a parent, I think parents are always hard on themselves because mm-hmm. it's like here you are putting put in this position to raise this human being and to the best of your ability. And you always are always going to question and doubt yourself in raising them. But I think it's beautiful that you kind of now broke this barrier. In in that process, in that conversation, that barrier, that wall between you and your kids has been just us You dissolved it completely. So you almost created this open door policy. Because You know, oftentimes we don't have these honest conversations with our parents. You don't know what your parents are going through. My dad has been working for decades. Never has he once ever come home and said, I've had a hard day at work or anything like that. We've never even asked him. We just assume our parents are these super beings that nothing can faze them. They can handle everything. But then when they yell at us or something like that, they're just mean and they're not understanding where I'm coming from. But really, we don't also understand where our parents are coming from. So I just love that now you guys have this open door policy where you guys can talk to one another about this. So... I want to talk about you and your husband, Summer, because sometimes it's hard to be in a marriage where you have to kind of be on the same page in raising kids. Like, how did you and your husband get to that point where you're able to be on the same page? Because I think it's very healthy. My my parents raised us that way, where my dad was always like, "We have to be on the same page. You can't be like the nice parent. I'm the bad parent, and vice versa." Because it's just it causes confusion amongst kids we too. Tried that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> let's talk about that. We tried that. The whole you know, good cop, bad cop. Yeah, exactly. Of course, I was like, I'll be the bad cop since you always <laughs> want to be the good cop but that kind of definitely made me the bad cop for real however we just with important things we couldn't play that role because it we had to be on the same page um and there was an incident with uh bayan
0: let's talk about <laughs> there was an <laughs> incident
2: with bayan and actually that's where i was like okay wait and before that incident i would always tell my husband before we even had kids i would always tell he have like i don't want my kids to grow up in a household where they feel they cannot talk to their parents, where they are not comfortable enough to come and talk to us or ask questions, whether they were appropriate or inappropriate, because again, we are teaching them. And I would rather teach them than the outside world to teach them, because outside will teach them wrong things.
1: Their values are not going to align with yours. Everybody has different values within their households. Yeah,
2: exactly. We noticed Bayan. I think it was third or fourth grade. Oh <laughs> wow! It was, oh, third, wow. Grade. Third, was it third grade. grade? Yeah. It was third grade, and um, we noticed Bayan was just she just wasn't Bayan. You know, she, you know, you were talking about a girl who was like the Hannah Montana, you know, fan <laughs> yeah. putting on shows and stuff. And now Bayan is just like completely a deer in headlights. And I'm like, what is going on with this child? And my husband, after a while, when he heard her crying and stuff, he's like, Babe, go talk to her. I think she has a crush on somebody. I'm like, what? No.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> not my third grader was she nine ten years old at that age no, younger
3: I think
2: younger no, yeah. I, was younger. Younger. I
3: skipped a grade
2: oh
1: wow
3: mashallah yeah. okay
2: so um that's when I told him I said listen you need to go and talk to her because you know all of my life it was like I can go talk to my mom or something but you can't dare to say anything about a boy in front of your dad yeah okay mm-hmm. so I said Babe, you should be the one to go and talk to her and explain to her that, you know, if it is a crush, that it's okay to have a crush, you just don't act on it. And sure enough, we go upstairs, and he sits down, and he explains to her his situation, how he had a crush on a girl, and, you know, basically trying to get her. Get, get it out of get her. Get it out of her. And then she's like, I'm doing haram. God's not going to, Allah's not going to forgive me. And she starts bursting into tears. And I'm like, um, man, what are you what are you talking about? And, uh. I have a crush on this. She's like, there's this boy. And I just couldn't help myself, but I just busted out laughing. And, but at the same time, it was like, it was a cry laugh, you know, of like crying, like, oh my God, look what we did to our child. And a laugh of like, thank God, you know. That's what she
1: means by haram. <laughs> but, yeah. Because when you're just telling you, I did
2: haram things. They're great. <laughs> I've already had like 50 scenarios in my head about how I'm going to go to that school. <laughs> Deal with and Deal with
3: them. And then, um. Chime in on this one. <laughs> I still remember that day, to be honest. But I remember that day they came in, they're like, don't ever be afraid to come and talk to us. And that literally, wallah, ever since that day, whenever I had something that was bothering me, I'd always remember, don't be afraid to come and talk to us. Wow. And that's like how I, I used that in the past year and a half. That's, see, yeah. that's what I'm
1: saying, just that little step of just having both parents present to talk about why. And not even that, but noticing that there was something off with Bayan. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah
2: oh, yeah. One thousand, a hundred percent on that one. But see, even with Ehab, it also made him feel good as a father. It made him feel like he just accomplished something. He just got it out of his daughter. Not his son, you know, not another male, but his daughter who, you know, a lot of fathers aren't actually involved with, you know, the talks with their daughters, let's be real. So for him to actually sit and get it out of her, it didn't take like, babe, you go sit, stay down here. Let me try to figure out what's going on with her. It was like, no, you take the lead on this. Let her feel comfortable to speaking to you about things. And I will be right there behind you as your backup. That's it. You know, of just watching the whole thing unfold. So he felt great as a parent. He felt good that his daughter was able to tell him that. So that also encouraged him to do it more. You know, that was the difference. Versus him, like, what's going on? Shumar al it. what? Da, da, da. You know, the usual practical thing. And just to see her reaction, just to see how, what she was going through, the anxiety that we instilled in her because of hearing haram, non-haram, and not understanding what exactly is haram and non-haram, it was like a wake-up call for her, but it was also a wake-up call for us. And I said, look, babe, we have to be on the same page with this. These kids need to be able to come talk to us together, no matter what. If, in fact, you know, and that's, I've told this today, and I was like, anytime you feel like there's something that you think that I'm going to hide from Baba, don't even think about doing it. Because there's nothing going to be hidden between myself and my husband. You know, the same way that um, he's my best friend, and I'm your best friend. We are a family together, and we're all best friends. And that's yeah, how I, I love think that. about it. I hope
0: that when I have kids, inshallah, one day, I will be that type of parent who's not going to instill fear in my kids. Because I feel like when you do that, when you're a police in your own house, you're creating that anxiety, that depression. You're building it up inside of them where something as simple as having a crush on a boy, which everyone's had has given her that much anxiety over it. I feel like you can't be police in your
1: own home. So funny story, because I went through the same thing and I told you, Summer, and my sister's going to listen to this, but she caused me so much anxiety when I was like, and I think I was your age band. It was, you know how in school back in the day you were able to pass out Valentine's Day cards? Well, yes, I had yeah. a crush on this boy named Gary. Don't ask me why I still remember his name, but <laughs> actually I do remember why I remember his name, because of my sister. She held that over my head because I saved his Valentine's Day card in my closet and it was like a shrine. Like I made a shrine <laughs> for you guys. And it, but then at the same time, like I hid it from my parents. Like, I'm not saying it should be okay to just go to your parents and be like, oh, I like all these boys and stuff like that. That's not what you're trying to say. You're trying to not say like all. something as small as that should have never caused Bayan that much anxiety and fear and, or just even sadness for her to deal with it on her own. She has now her father, her own dad to be able to talk to her about That's boy beautiful. troubles.
2: Yeah. But not only that, her brother learned from it. Yeah. Her brother got to learn that it was okay to have a crush. And what's haram is to act on it. Anyone exactly. who says the name that they've never had a crush on a boy or a girl, oh my God, no. you are lying to yourself. Please wake up. Everyone does. Let's be real here. So it's just, I think that going back to the fear, it's exactly what happened with me. You know, being in a household where the person that was in control of me was my uncle. You know, it wasn't even my dad, it was my uncle. All of my cousins were boys, I was a huge tomboy. So I played with all the boys. So then it's like, as I was getting older, I wasn't allowed to play with my boy cousins anymore. Now it's haram, and I'm about to get my it's butt ab. kicked. It's a It's, you know, it's just, it was a wake-up call.
1: It was, and that's what I'm saying. Like, when I came to my sister and her doing that to me, you start fearing your parents even more. Like, it should never get to that point. And that brings me to the point of discussion that you've had now, now you're... Open door policy also extends to the mental health of your kids and what they're going through. Because as you're going older, you're having a crush that's just like back when you were in third grade. Now you're dealing with much more stressful things as a teenager. You're dealing with a lot of things. Not only that, but you're also becoming a woman. You're going through puberty. You're going through all this stuff. Your body changes. Your mind changes. Just even your surroundings. Your environment changes. Imagine having to deal with all this on your own and then coming to a house where you still don't feel like you can open up to your parents about the things that you're going through. Imagine having to make your own decisions on certain things where the the guidance of your parents is just gold and they would be able to help you and help you navigate through things like we had to deal with a lot of things on our own in high school and that's it's scary yeah and unfortunately some adults don't even understand mental health and,
0: and mental illness for to place that burden on kids like yeah you have to deal with this on your own I feel like that's putting even more pressure and giving them even more anxiety that they have to deal with you know what I mean so can we talk about how you decided to just sh- you shared your mental health problems with your kids now now, how did you let that be like a two-way street? What was that conversation like?
2: I think them seeing the process, my process and my journey of, you know, going to my holistic, going to the acupuncture, basically my healing for them seeing it and hearing me talk about it and, you know, talking to my husband about it, talking to them about it and seeing the difference of where mom was and where she is now. I think that was like a, um, I didn't hide it from them and I wasn't trying to. So it was normal to them. So there was nothing to be ashamed of. There was nothing. They saw how I, how proud I was of myself and to be able to smile and to basically be normal. And you guys can't see this, but I'm putting in quotations normal because <laughs> yeah. it was definitely, I guess you could say it was bittersweet. Yeah. Like, you know, it was, I was happy for them to see their mom getting the help she needed and not trying to hide it from them and just becoming a stronger mom and a stronger wife and a stronger person.
0: I don't want to use the word lucky, but I think your kids are lucky in the sense that they've, they're have they in a household that welcomes mental health and, and not even welcomes it, but like just highlights it talks about it it's not something that's hidden in the closets and and put away when people come over I think a lot of kids have to deal with it on their own because they don't feel like they can talk to their parents about it because yeah everyone going is going through things but most parents kind of hide that away from their kids and I love that you put it all out there for everyone to see because they know that days that they're having that are bad days days that they're not feeling themselves it's
1: okay it's normal to feel that way And I think oftentimes sometimes we see our parents where they'll be like they'll have this like they won't say it directly like get over it but it's almost like oh you're just being a teenager you have a roof over your head we're giving you this you have all of that what can you possibly be angry about that you're giving us attitude like who are you to give us attitude the people who are like basically supplying you with all these blessings and all these like you know what i mean so i think that's something that as parents that happens naturally where they you suppress the emotions that your child is going through and that's how it causes them more depression more anxiety i want to just share something real quickly about suicide i think we often in our community we think that we're immune to suicide. And the reason being is we're going to have a whole entire episode about suicide, but I just wanted to mention this because I feel like like suicide is a third leading cause of death Amongst people that are around your age Bayan. And I, that's a hard truth Just to look face to face And like look at you and tell you this But it's just even recently One of my friends who's an educator Who's a teacher She um, received a note from uh, one of her students And it was anonymous for a while But then it, he finally came forth And it was him And it was a suicidal note And guess what He was a Arabi He was a Arabi boy Very young Dealing with su- Like I mean he it's I don't want to get into details, but I'm just trying to like let the people who are listening understand that suicide is happening amongst our own very own kids within our community. And it
2: actually starts more so in the home and then goes off to the school and then from school back to the home. So it's a constant fight between my my two safe places that I'm supposed to be in my home and my school. Exactly. And those are the one these are now becoming my enemy. I'm basically trying to navigate and fight but i'm losing because the people i'm going to about the school are now telling me why are you stressed out but then and vice versa yeah. so it's, it's just a constant tug of war of where do you go from here
1: and it's a it's a cry out for help from the kids maybe maybe you don't see your kid really truly acting upon it and about to do it but it's a cry out for help that they're going to attempt to look like, who knows what's the next strike that will just make them lose it all like It's so scary.
2: Well, not just that. A lot of people say that if someone says, I'm going to kill myself, that it's cry for attention. It's not a cry for attention. That's why they cry for help. They want people to feel sorry for them rather than they're actually crying for help. Someone to actually have to put those words down, there is something much deeper going on inside of them. Uh, Something much deeper is going on for them to have to be able to actually to have the power and the will to write those words down it's a huge red flag yeah, it's a huge it red is, flag. definitely
0: and it's because they feel like they have no other place or no other person to turn to i mean suicide is, should shouldn't be the first thing that you check off like oh i'm having a bad day let me you know let me end my life there should be people in your life that you can turn to that you can talk to about this and i feel like a lot of kids don't have that so they turn to drugs they turn to self-harm they turn to suicide and it's because they feel lonely in a world where they're they have their teachers. They have their friends. They have their parents. They have everyone surrounding them. But it's like they don't
1: have the support, the actual support they need. Let's talk about your story, Bayan. Like, when did you realize that you, something was feeling off? You weren't feeling yourself. And we can talk about that and just how, you know, where you are now. inshallah.
3: Well, like a year and a half ago is when things I feel like started to go downhill out of nowhere. I'd get like these little episodes where I was just sad. I don't know where I didn't really know why. And I think about it, I'm like, why am I sad? Like I was raised good. I have good parents who are together and I'm a good student. And it's just like I have no reason to be sad. So for a while I was left with that question of like, what's going on? I know my parents have anxiety. I know my mom has bad anxiety. And I remember my mom saying before, don't put that word anxiety in your head or you're going to get anxiety, something like that. So I was like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to get anxiety. Because I saw what my mom went through. There was a bad time where for like, two months we were going to the hospital maybe every week every two weeks just for her i remember i was sleeping and they woke me up at 5 a.m because she was crying we had to go to the hospital and nothing was wrong with her so i was like i I, I, like not coming out of a in a bad way but i was like i don't want to be like that and i was like i have no reason to be sad so like i said i was questioning why i was feeling this way but as time went on those episodes started to get more common i was getting sad every day. And on the weekends, I'd see that my, quote, friends were out doing this and that. Friends that i known for years, literally years, hanging out with people they've known maybe for a month. And I'm like, so I'm the last priority. I'm that person you call when nobody else is free. Now, instead of making it a group thing, I was that last call, where people only called me when they needed something. And I was like, really like it would bother me and i was like i don't want it to bother me but it did it really did as it should yeah yeah. and you could ask my mom there was a time like you were standing down by the stairs i was at the top you and baba and i was crying crying because these people that i considered my best friends were leaving me out of things so i would spend my weekends in my room close that door turn off the light crying i just want to jump in on this where she was talking
2: about that that day, her dad was telling her, Baba, they're just jealous of you. And I looked at him and I said, stop telling her that. And that's the thing is parents need to stop telling their kids that these people that are not accepting, you know, your child are just jealous is not, is not right. You know, there's a different way of speaking, you know, telling your kids. And again, if I tell my daughter that, Oh, mama, they're just jealous of you, you know, that didn't answer her question of why she feels she's, she's rejected and why she feels she's not accepted in the, in, the, in the same group that she sees on a daily basis, why she wasn't invited. There, it's not jealousy, though. It's not jealousy. You have to explain to your kids in a way like, mama, that's just not your clique. And that's okay. You have to find your own clique. That's not someone that, you know... It's, has your
1: best interest anymore.
2: Exactly. And that's Okay. But I know no matter what I say to her, she's still in pain. She's still hurt because it does hurt. But my husband continuously, they're just jealous of him like, Boy, you better stop saying that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But that is like you hear that often, like oh, they're just jealous of you, they're just envious of you. But you, you're so right. You hit it on the nail, somewhere. Like that doesn't explain how she's feeling. And then she's gonna question, why are they jealous of me? We're all friends. What, what, what do I have that they don't have? What is it? You're adding more questions to her already list of
2: questions. It's It's more anxiety on her. It is more depression. Like of course you're gonna say that because you're my parents.
3: And when I'd hear like that word jealous, that like I would start overthinking. So then the overthinking would start coming in, and like one at a time, these things would start stacking and stacking up. It would bother me a lot. At night when I was sleeping, quote sleeping, they would come in the room to check if I was sleeping and I'd act like I was. But really I was up to like 4 a.m. crying, thinking about my life, not knowing why I'm feeling like this. And I think that that whole friend thingy was like, I would say like triggered me because I was always that good friend. And it felt like every single person that came in my life just left. And I was like, they say, like, everything happens for a reason, which I do believe in. But I'm like, well, why do these people come in, keep coming in? But they always leave. Nobody stays. At first, I wouldn't look behind it, and I would never see the lesson it would teach me. But now that I'm going through what I'm going through, I finally see the lessons. But even to this day, it will still bother me. I'm going to be 100% honest. It still bothers me. The fact that I will, like, give my all to my friends. I will, even when I was going through what I was going through, I put a mask on. And I would make sure that my friends, they would tell me what was wrong with them. And there are still times where I won't go to sleep until I make sure that friend is okay. And I will talk to them. I will give them advice. And I'm going through it. But I won't show it to them that I'm going through it. But once it is me who needs that help, it's just I'm brushed off. And then that's when I started to, oh, I don't want to open up to people anymore, where they would betray my trust and stuff. And it was just, it started to get very irritating And I literally didn't want to open up to anybody anymore because I was like, I'm so good to them. But when it's me who needs help, it's just like, oh my God, you have this, you have that, you have two parents who are together, your parents buy you everything, you have a roof over your head, you have a car, blah, 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 like you have good grades, there's nothing to be sad about. My dad could buy me my my dream car right now and I'll still be feeling the same way I am.
1: That that's a good point to me. Exactly,
3: make. my dad could take me to my favorite restaurant, Chama Gaucha, every day, and I'll still be feeling the same way I am. That's the thing; it's not like the actual ob- objects, I guess, like or the materialistic physical things. items. Yeah. yeah, it's emotionally how I view everything. And again, like with the friend thingy, it hurts that you see these people every day at school. You've been friends with them for how long? And well, I felt like I was putting so much into all these friends, and I was never getting it back. Like before, I never believed in what energy I receive is the energy I'm going to give back. Now I'm like that. So now if I feel your vibe changing with me, I'm going to change my vibe with you. Because back then I just kept getting that like brushed off thing and I would still keep going back and back. And I wouldn't get invited to anything, nothing. But I'd see these people the next day. Oh, I miss you, Bayann, this and that. If you miss me, why don't you invite me? And if you miss me, why don't you invite me in the future? So whenever I'd hear that, Like, literally right after the weekend, I miss you, I miss you. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm helping my mom at the store. Oh, I'm doing this. I'm going out with my cousins, like, stuff like that. Because my mom would tell me, don't make yourself available right on when they finally try to invite you to something, which I try not to make myself available. But then I'd be like, oh, if I say this, like, am I a bad friend? Like, that's how I think of it. That's how my mentality was. I couldn't be mean to people even if I wanted to, or I couldn't treat people the way they treated me. And that's the thing that sucked and what I would start overthinking about because then I'd be like, oh, I'm a bad friend. Everybody hates me. If they're not inviting me to these things, what am I doing wrong?
2: Why do they want me there?
3: Yeah, exactly. I was like, if they're not inviting me, what is the problem here? What's wrong with me? What did I do to them? Because all I've done is be there for them. So it did start to bother me a lot like i said i think that was one of the things that triggered me the most
1: as an adult somebody that has been out of high school 10 plus years i can easily sit here and tell you forget them move on but that's me as an adult who has went through all this stuff went through what you went through and now when i look back i see how insignificant it is but this is somebody who's going through it right now as a 17 year old this is hard for you to go to an environment where you have to face people who are quote unquote supposedly your friends but they're not treating you like a friend so you're Facing these people day in and day out for five days out of the week for how many X hours a day. And you have to feel like this fakeness around them. It's it's hard as a teenager to go through this because yeah. I think as parents, it'll be easy to say, oh, forget them. They're not your friends. Find new friends. It, how it stresses did, you out. It does. It
3: stresses you yeah, out. And it's not that easy. That's it's not. Thing. That's what I
1: was trying to explain. It's not easy. You're going through it right now as a teenager. It's going to take you years for you to understand and for you to gain that. You're slowly gaining that control. But just that power of understanding. Basically,
2: like, you feel... I don't want to speak on her behalf, but I'll speak on my behalf. It's really hard when you feel like, you know, you are giving your all to these people who you think that love you and that you truly do love them. You genuinely love them back and you want to give them that friendship, you know, that you will invest. And I'm the type of person, if I'm going to be your friend, I'm investing my friendship, you know, and it's going, it's going to be genuine. It's going to be hardcore. If I don't want to deal with you, if I don't want you to be my friend, I'm just going to keep it cordial. But I'm going, to tr- I'm going to actually try and invest my time and my love to build this relationship. It's not your click. Try again. You, and you, Even yeah. though you keep saying that to yourself, it still hurts because you're like, I've just invested my time and my love on this relationship that I had a completely different, you know, outlook on. And you just explained to me who I am to you. And that's okay. I'm, and, and I literally, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at myself.
1: I think that's what it is. We take it out on ourselves because we're be like, I'm better than this. How did I not see the red flags? But not only that, you're, it's just like, here's another person you have to mourn here's another friendship you do really mourn friendships and you ban had a clique of friends that you basically had to just kind of cut off and yes they're there physically but you had to mourn the idea of having them as friends and even start summer, over. yeah to yeah. start over i think that's yeah. the hardest thing about us even getting out of relationships out of marriages out of friendships it's just the whole scary thought of starting over but even you summer as an adult you're also facing this and we still face it and that's what i'm saying it's just it's something that's going to happen it's a continuous cycle but you outgrow people, your values change, your circle changes. Yeah, and I
0: think that, I mean, those situations, being in those situations suck, but I think it kind of puts things in perspective, right? Like when you're not invited to things and you're on social media, seeing these pictures, seeing these snaps and all that, it's better to know that who those people are in that sense, whether than them stab you in the back or do something vindictive to you. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather find out who people are in that sense than have someone hurt me in another another way.
3: And with being like in high school is like, I'm my last year of high school, and I didn't really like it that much, to be honest. <laughs> like I'm being full blown. I'm not gonna lie. My
1: cousins are going. My cousin was on the on the show too, and she said the same thing about her daughters. I think high school is getting a little bit more vicious. Yeah. I don't know if it's because of the rise of social media or whatnot, but it's getting a little bit more vicious. Because I enjoyed high school,
3: but it's it's sad to see your age group yeah. not enjoying high school, not liking well, it. The reason why I didn't like it is because of the whole clique thing. I spent so much time trying to find, quote, my people. And till this day, I still talk to the people, like like my mom said, cordial. And I'm still cordial with the people who made me feel this way because I... I don't know why I still find no need to like completely cut off because sometimes there were times where they were a good friend to me and stuff. And it's just like, okay, you don't invite me to stuff. You don't invite me to stuff. Well, what can I do? I can't It's almost that. kind of like your hope is going up and down, up and down. Like, oh, we're good. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, we're not.
2: Oh, we're good. And that's why I told her, I was like, stay cordial. You know, she's young. She's got to experience these things. I'm going to tell her to cut off anyone. And that's her choice, not mine. That's on her. My job is to give her the advice and she can take it from there. It's, it's that's hard. how I thought
1: of it. When did you start having like your severe anxiety attacks and all this? Because this, that's what causes it. Like, yeah. it's don't dumb down these situations that your kids are going through because now you as an adult are obviously more experienced in this and you look at it as like it's not important, but your kid is going through this. So this is causing you yeah, anxiety it, yeah. and stuff. What, or how did you feel? I don't want to probably just well, say that.
2: When an incident, actually, remember when you told me about that one and she literally came home and she goes what's wrong with me
3: that's hard because I I I was like I'm not getting invited to anything and they say high school's so fun high school experience blah 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 I'm just like well I I look around at school and I see everybody in their groups and there's just me literally just me and I'm like well I feel like an outcast I feel lonely and I'm just like I'm Like, why can't I fit in with these girls that I've been knowing for how long? So that would bother me a lot, and it would start to give me anxiety, and it would start to make me really sad. I would say this is about a year ago when those thoughts started coming in, and I had my first panic attack. I'm pretty sure it was a panic attack. I think you remember that day. And she came in, and she was like, sit up, drink water, blah, blah, blah. I started hyperventilating. I couldn't breathe. My chest was hurting. I thought I was going to pass out. I'm like, what is happening? And all those thoughts start rushing in like you can't think at all you feel like the room is spinning and you're just like what is like i'm trying to breathe and i can't breathe and you just feel like you're literally being broken apart ripped piece by piece by all these different things suddenly you were fine thinking about one thing but now it's just like a hundred things going on like
1: you're losing control of yourself yeah. Yeah, it's like
3: i lost control and i'm just like you're hated You're hated. Like, why do you even exist if if you're hated by everybody? Why are you even here if you're trying to fit in with people and they don't even like you? And what are you doing wrong? Are you a bad friend? Are you a bad person? Are you a bad daughter? And it was just like, I don't want to go and tell my parents, like, I'm feeling this way because I don't want to be a disappointment. And I was always trying to, like, change or alter myself into becoming, like, that very happy person. So when I did go to school, I was that happy person. I was they this quote, band. All my friends thought I was happy, and I was hyper, and I was funny and stuff, but right when I walked into my bedroom, that's when the real me came out, and it's something I still kind of struggle with now, but I'm better on it, and it was like when somebody would ask me, are you okay? Like, what's wrong? And I would be like, I'm fine nothing's wrong with me
1: this might be a complicated question Bayan, but why do you think you act happy in front of others and then you suffer alone in your room why is it that you feel like there's a need to put on that poker it's kind of face? like turning on a switch yeah, yeah and it i think it's, it's very difficult to do that it's really hard to suppress all your emotions and then you go in that room all by yourself and just let it all out and deal with it on your own but what made you decide like let me do this for the time being? Because is it because you just couldn't understand what you're going through?
3: What like what
1: was the reason?
3: I think I was starting to understand. But it was like, I don't want to look weak to people. And I was already getting hurt by people. And I was like, well, if people see the real way I am, then I'm going to make myself vulnerable. And people are going to be able to hurt me for sure this time. So I was like, okay, act strong at school. Make it seem like nobody can mess with you. Make it seem like you're this tough, macho little girl. And that's what I did. And people wouldn't mess with me and stuff. But like behind the phone, like the way I would talk... I feel like that's when people would mess with me because it was hard to hide it behind a phone when you can't see the person in front of you because I can mask like my facial expressions and stuff and I can ignore that when I'm around people but once I'm on my phone and I'm in that bed it's just like I can't control it anymore and I think like with suppressing my emotions for that long that had a big thing to do with my anxiety because I feel like when you're hiding your emotions and everything for a very long time, you're gonna have a mental breakdown.
1: How do you feel right now, Summer, listening to your daughter saying these um, things? It's heartbreaking.
3: I'll be very honest. I know like, it's, it's hard. I'm really, watching you.
1: It's, it's really hard.
2: It's it is. It's so heartbreaking because you know to see your child go through the emotions and a roller coaster that you've been on, that you've literally have been taking this ride. So to see her, to see her pain is it's a lot. And I just hate because you know. I'm the person to tell people, like, pay attention to your kids. So sometimes I feel like I failed as a mom. I'm so sorry, Sony. No, don't be. I'm just, I'm really proud of her that she has, you know, basically dealt with this basically by herself and alone. And I've always said, I never want my kids to feel like they have no one that they will have someone understand those emotions. They will have somebody understand what it feels like to not being accepted. And you want to take that pain from your children. You want to take it all from them. But we can't protect them 24 seven. We have to basically give them these tools and just say, God, it's in your hands.
0: Yeah, and I think we learn from the lessons of our life. You know, you're going to learn so much from what you're going through now. And I think that you're going to be a stronger, better person going, growing up and being being a, a mother one day yourself. I think mm-hmm. you're just equipping yourself, like Summer said, with all the tools you need to go on and, and take control of the life. You know, we talked about bottling up those emotions and stuff, and it does cause more anxiety. Like, I'm someone where, like, I don't want people to know how i'm feeling i don't show emotions to people that i'm not super super close to because like you said i don't want to seem soft or vulnerable i don't want to let anyone see those weaknesses see those cracks and take advantage of it is a defense mechanism it is Yeah. Yeah. yeah i don't
1: think summer you failed i know it's a feeling that you failed when you see your kids suffering but there's only so much that you can help your kid with but like you said that's such an important point that you made to provide them the resources and one of the resources is you in a sense where you just had that door open where they can come and talk to you. I know it's a little bit harder for kids to still talk to their parents, even though their parents are telling them you're a come and talk to me because you just don't want to disappoint your parents more. (laughs) But I think even Bayan, you have even a special situation where you know, your mom has things that she's dealing with too. So you didn't want
3: to add onto that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to say anything because once I started to realize I'm going through something because the constant every day of crying and Even in my own house, I'd put that mask on. Once I left that bedroom, my mom would be like, Van, are you okay? Or what's wrong with you today? And I'm just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing is wrong. And it kind of hurt because I was like, I wanted to cry out to her and I wanted to open up to her, but I couldn't. And I was just like, I I can't do it. And every day I would think about it like, tell her, go tell her. Like that little voice was like, go tell her. Like you're going to keep feeling like this if you don't say anything. I was just like, I can't do it. And I just kept putting on that mask in school. This was over the summer, I believe, where it just got really bad. And she would ask me like every day, are you okay? Are you okay? That mask was not coming off anytime soon unless I was in my room, like I said. And as it progressively would get worse and I would get like anxiety attacks and I'd overthink all the time that constant thought of not wanting to exist because you're hated. And I believe by August is when it got really bad. I remember there was a really bad time, like, or after my birthday. So, like, I'd say from August to middle of October is when it was terrible, terrible. I was, like, really depressed. I could ask her. I'm not the type of person who wanted to miss school. I'd be so sick I'd be like I'm not I'm not missing school like I'd be like oh I don't feel good I don't want to go to school tomorrow for
1: parents who are listening did you I, Summer, you know this but these are signs of a kid that's going through the depression if your child is starting to remove themselves from activities that they used to like like that's the number one sign right there if they're not doing the things that they used to actually one day enjoy and if they're very irritable and they're always moody yeah. around you and giving you attitude don't it's not blame them. it
2: on puberty yeah that's
1: what I was about to say they're yeah. not being a teenager there's something deeper there's a you have to Really
2: I had on one of uh the features, uh someone was talking about mental health. Of course someone replied to them and they actually posted it to show people and this person response to their mental health was, um, oh be quiet, get over you just want your parents to accept a boyfriend that is not of the same race. And that is the problem with auto. We make up stories that satisfies what we want to hear. And That is why anxiety and depression, it's created around our community. We are the ones to talk about how we need to give love and we need to express like our feelings Our religion is the most amazing religion and, you know, no one... No one can get divorced without someone making up a story. It couldn't just be they didn't work out together. It couldn't be, you know, they just, you know, it has to be, oh, Oh, it's never as simple as that. Even with, you know, with my mom. Do you know how many stories I've heard? How many stories I've heard alone? And it was after I got married that I heard stories of people saying, you know, oh, my mom committed suicide. Or I pushed my mom in front of the car. Oh, my God. I went to a dinner two years after I got married. And it was actually, it was at my family's house, but this person was invited. I had a little five, six-year-old come up to me. And I, wallahi, that image never comes out of my eye. Wallahi, it never has left my mind and it will never leave. This little boy came up to me and said, aren't you the one that killed your mom? Oh, my God. Where did this child learn this from? Unfortunately, it's like... It's disgusting to see, you know, we talk about how much we want to accept people into our lives, how much we welcome everyone into our lives, but we don't even accept our own people. We do not back up our own people. We don't talk in good faith about our own people. We are quick to have people misjudge us. We are quick to you know, take out that discrimination card out. We are quick to say all of this stuff, but we are not the ones to stand with each other and protect one another. We're, we are the ones doing the stabbing. We are the ones doing the killing to our own people. And that is what disgusts me. And that is what breaks my heart, you know, to see, because unfortunately the people that are causing my daughter pain are our own people. The people that are causing my pain are my own damn people. And it's just, it's frustrating because it's like, when are we gonna stand together as a community? When are we, that's the only way we're gonna get stronger. There are millions of Arab that can together, stand together and do the great things and see what an amazing community we can build. But there's so much hate and so much competition against each other versus uniting This is why we have so many issues.
1: It's not our faith. It's our culture. It's it's our culture. It's not even our culture. It's just even a subsect of our culture because our culture is beautiful. It's rich. It's it's so much tradition, so much good things. But then there's that subculture. It's the the made-up culture. Yeah, it's the made-up
2: culture. It's not our culture because if you look back where the culture actually lies and our religion lies, you'd be amazed and in love with it. But then the made-up culture, that's where it divides our own people.
0: And like you said, that's why there are so many issues. And that's why people tend to feel so alone. It's because they feel that competition. They feel like, okay, all eyes are on me. I have to be the best. I have to do the best. And I think that puts a lot of strain
2: on us. Well, that's not the competition that you're only worried about. For example, one man opened up a store. And of course, you know, oh, this and that, whatever, blah, 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 right? So one of his friends goes and buys a whole plaza and puts stores all around him. Why? What was the purpose? So you dished out your own money, put yourself in a in a possible debt, just to iktaaris ketuahet You
0: hear that happening so often.
2: But that's that's what I'm saying is that's the problem. Rather than us actually, you know, you're instilling this anxiety in everyone else, the stress that, you know, that man has has mouths to feed, he has a future to build, the same way you do. You have that much money to be able to ruin somebody else's life. And
1: I think that's what we do. We use our resources against one another instead of building our own community. And I think we're we're just. MashaAllah, we have a community of doctors, engineers, creatives, business owners, entrepreneurs, and a lot of and out of our community comes young kids like Bayan. They have so much potential, but we are using one another's risk and blessings against each other instead of for one another. And instead of normalizing conversations about why this person's daughter is dating this person or why this son is not making money and he that look like, you know diefesho'ed and whatever, how about we normalize the conversations about why are kids feeling anxiety, depression, and all this stuff? Why? Why are there so many more kids and I'm so sick and tired of us hiding it why are there so many kids committing suicide and sometimes the parents of the kid that was this, the, the victim or the, the person who passed away from committing suicide they don't even open up to the community to tell them that my kid communi- committed suicide to be because it's enough that they have to deal with a kid that is that, that passed away but now you have to deal with a community that looks at you like you have a child that committed suicide what kind of parent are you what kind of ra- how did you raise this person that they have no faith and that's the thing you cannot equate mental illness and the feeling of wanting to die with having no faith and i talked about about that that.
2: in the first my episode about mental health yeah is they tell you you know get more into your dean and i'm like believe me i want to and i do you know especially it's especially coming from someone who prays five times a day you know who does fast who does all these things so it's like okay so am i doing something wrong so that's even more anxiety. So you're trying to go back and forth, back and forth of is my faith strong enough? You know, am I praying the right way? But I can't even stay focused on a rak'a or you know, a surah let alone for me to even focus. So and that's the that's the thing is people always say right away, you don't have enough deen. You don't have enough deen. Here's the thing Deen is number one, absolutely. But we need to get to the underlying cause of what the problem is. My daughter's issue is got nothing to do with Dean. She comes from a home has Dean this is all her her experiences and what she's going through
1: I can pray la'sha that I've done this before I can pray la'sha and literally go to bed with tears like just tears coming down my face and this is just me being very open and very vulnerable and sometimes you don't know where your sadness comes from you really yeah. don't and it's I think that's the saddest I don't want to break down but that's the saddest part about being sad is like you don't know where it comes from so you can't say it's because this person lacks the deen the faith they don't pray enough they don't talk to God enough and stuff like that do that yes talk to God do all that stuff but sometimes even within our our own faith it tells you to seek other help like you don't know I don't know if you can relate it to the whole like trust Allah but also tie your camel type of thing. This is the problem
0: that just like you were saying, blaming the parents of a kid who commits suicide, the community should blame themselves. So, we're not creating a space where this kid feels welcome to share what he's going through instead if he was to stand in front of the jam and say hey i'm depressed i'm going through this this and that
1: how do you think as a community you would react how about don't list all the blessings that they have in their life and actually list resources that they can go and seek because i think the first thing that you look at somebody is like bayan you're you're healthy you come from an amazing household yes you have both of your parents your parents are incredible and they give you everything that you want me listing all that stuff is actually reminding you more and more and making you question like then why am i sad It makes you feel guilty I want to, as a community, we should be able to answer the questions of these kids that are dealing with these mental health issues. And we should be able to list more resources and help lead them in the right direction. How did you and Summer, how did you and your husband basically kind of navigate this conversation with your child? Because this is the first time, I mean, yeah, you're dealing with it. But now this is your child dealing with these severe panic attacks and all that stuff. So what happened with that conversation?
2: She came to me. Okay. And. Do you want to go
3: on this one? (laughs) Yeah. Well, like I said, with the whole mass thing, like after a while, it just started to get tiring. And I'd say around in May, I was diagnosed with PCOS and um, my mom took me to a nutritionist because uh, a while back, she took me to an endocrinologist and... For a couple years, we were trying to figure out what was going on. I'd eat little things. I'd gain weight so fast. I'd break out like really bad and it would tear down my confidence. I'd go to school every day with the same North face on. I'd cover up. That was another thing that would start to bother me. And this was at a younger age. When she took me to nutritionist and everything, yeah, I was diagnosed with PCOS, which is a whole, whole like hormonal syndrome and everything. And as like, I think I was like 13 or 14, maybe like when I started thinking about that, oh, something's wrong wrong with you, that's when that would portray to stuff in the future. And I would hide my PCOS. I wouldn't tell anybody about it. This is my first time actually like saying it. Wow. It started to bother me. And when I went to that nutritionist, I was like, okay, I need to do something about this because I feel like it's portraying to the way well, I thought it was a big reason why to why I was sad because I had I had no confidence whatsoever. Even sometimes today I'm struggling with confidence, but I'd say it is better. And um, I was put on a diet. I lost weight. I saw the results, and it made me feel better. But at the same time, I'm still going through like my depression in secret that my mom has no idea about. Once I saw the results, I, it would make me feel better, and I feel like it did help me a little bit mentally. But it still wasn't enough to just crack that barrier i
2: just want to jump in on this one um with uh ban when she was going through her confidence that's actually what i thought was going on with her is her self-esteem because she would say look at look at this my face look at my back look at my shoulders so that's in my mind is like her self-esteem is low and i need some i need to do something about it like you know this will help her boost her confidence this will help her feel good and that's when we started going to the nutritionist. I think I asked someone and they said, take her to the endocrinologist. And that's
1: when you guys found out you had PCOS. Thank you for bringing that up. And thank yeah. you for normalizing that conversation because there's a lot of girls that open up to us and women that tell us that they have PCOS. So it's far more common than you think it is. Oh, it is. And that's yeah. why I can't stress enough, like, do not struggle in silence. I think sometimes I'm not trying to push people to open up about everything that they have or dealing with. No. It's not easy. It's yeah. it's,
2: it's crazy because when they're pronounced- and i can't even say it it. (laughs) you know when she came to you know talk to us both she right away started tearing first i'm like "Uh, um well what's pcos and she's like it's very common you know you caught it like right away while she's still young this is definitely controllable you can have kids you know it's it's very, very common. Right away, immediately told Bayan. She looked. She's like, do not Google anything. All that information that you see online is completely listen. wrong. <laughs> she didn't listen. She comes down crying, full-blown tears. Mom, I'm not going to be able to have kids. I want to freeze my eggs. I was like, girl, calm down. (laughs) I read about PCOS, and it does say
1: some very harsh things. It does.
2: You know, but if you actually dig deeper and actually read articles about it and people who have gone through it, they all say the same thing. A change of diet reverses it all.
1: We had a guest she had PCOS and she opened up about it and yes she takes something specific that has allowed her it's helped her it is just a change of diet or adding something to your diet that allows you to you have kids and everything like that it's just I think we but it's natural it's natural for her to
3: search what's going on with her body especially something that you don't
2: in case of (laughs) endometriosis
3: obviously I'm still young and everything but like there's nothing I want more in life than having kids Yeah. Yeah. so when I heard like it had something to do with like my hormones and stuff I was like oh my god I'm not gonna be able be able to have kids I started crying and it is something I still worry about now like yeah I'm gonna die and everything but like it's always in the back of my mind and that's another thing that would bother me about it because I'm like I'm 16 years old why am I thinking about having babies (laughs) but like at the same time I'm just like well what if I'm not able to have babies and stuff and it still bothers me till this day she
2: didn't actually when we went to the endocrinologist she did not listen to her she just took that and just When it's a complete
3: yeah, for a while I knew I had PCOS. I did nothing about it. I haven't. I didn't start doing something about it till May, and progressively, when like I said, when I saw the results, I thought my mental health. Yeah, the nutritionist. I thought my mental health was getting better, but I was like. I still feel sad. Why do I still feel sad? And I still haven't told my mom, and I'm still going out in public. Like, I'm fine and everything. But when I was in my bedroom, still I was having that problem. So I was like, okay, something is off. End of August to, like, um... This past October, August? Yeah, recently. is like I said, it got very bad. Very bad. And I wouldn't want to go to school. and make up excuses. I'd be like, oh, I have cramps. Like, I can't go to school. Once I woke up in the morning, I was like, oh, my God, here we go again.
1: Here's another day that I have to face.
3: And she
2: started calling me from school to get her out of class. And she would make something up to me. because I. And again, this is someone who will not miss a class.
1: This is a straight-A student. This is a straight-A
2: student. This is someone who will not miss it for the world. Like, she does not like to be behind. She's always ahead. So for her to call me like, hey, mom, can you please call me off campus? I just need to do so-and-so. I already finished all my work. So I'm like, I took it as nothing. Yeah, sure, no problem. I'll call. And then... It started to get more and more and more and more. And I'm like, then it started to come to, oh, you know, I have bad cramps. I'm I'm not feeling good. I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to school. And I'm like, Ben mama, are you sure you're okay? Yeah, I'm fine. It's just my cramps.
3: Well, like, what the whole, well, I got irritated very easily. And yeah. I still do to this day. Like, I'm going to be 100% honest. And they would always complain, why do you have an attitude? Why do you have an attitude? Then they'd yell at me and I'd get mad and I'd take that, they hate me. Whenever they'd yell at me, I take that as they hate me. Your parents. They hate me. Yeah. Yeah. So progressively when I'm when I'm fighting with fire, they're fighting with fire back. That would just create a huge fireball in me and i was just like oh my god they hate me and my f- so-called friends hate me everywhere i go i feel hated why are you here why are you here and there was a bad time i'd say beginning of october there was one day i was just home alone and i was crying and i was just like i want to die right now i want to die literally i don't want to be here right now that's so sad to
1: just honestly hear somebody
3: as young as you that yeah. has so much more life to give to feel that lonely and that helpless mm-hmm. because like i remember um I got invited to a Halloween party. I was like, oh, my God, finally I got invited to something. And I go to the Halloween party, and I have an anxiety attack. Want to know why? Because there was so much people around me. And I'm like, well, I got what I wanted. Why am I still dealing with us. yeah and the thing is I felt trapped when I was around all these people I felt so trapped and I still had that mask on and I was just like I can't be myself so I literally broke down I had an anxiety attack we had a psych fair at my school and in this big room and there was so many tables and everything and I saw all these people around my heart starts racing I have an anxiety attack and it's just that thing of I'm around all these people, but I feel so lonely when I'm around all these people. But the problem is when I go home and I'm I'm in my room alone, I feel comfortable but sad. But I feel like I can be myself. And that's the problem I was having. Eventually, like little things would start to irritate me. Like I would be driving in something. Everybody gets road rage. But that little thing of being like cut off in a lane, my whole mood would be ruined for the day. Like, you a normal person. You allowed little
1: things to start to yeah, get to Yeah, and it
3: started to get so bad. Like, just by driving, my whole mood was changed what the was whole your, day.
1: What was your breaking point, Bayan, where you finally, like, decided to tell your parents, like, something's not right. Because clearly, something's not right if you're allowing little things to get mm-hmm. to you and everything like that. You're starting to realize, like... I need more help because yeah. I cannot be facing this alone because it's, it's hard. It's hard yeah, to face it this by really yourself. Hard.
3: Well, when it started to keep building up and so when it just kept building up and everything, I remember I was sitting in the kitchen and I forgot what she was talking about. And what your mom
1: was talking about? Yeah, I forgot yeah. what she
3: was talking about. And I was like, I was about to say it and then I'd stop. I was about to say it, and I stopped. I was like, I don't know, like, if you do this, what's going to change? Is she going to hate you? Is she not going to trust you? What if she doesn't allow you, allow you to go do this anymore? What if she doesn't allow you to take the car anymore? So I was just thinking, like, oh, my God. I was like, you know what, whatever. What else do I have to lose? Because that day in my room when I literally just wanted to die, I didn't have the guts to do anything to myself. It was that constant thought, I want something bad to happen to me. Wow. I don't want to be here anymore. But I knew I didn't have the guts to go and do something to myself.
1: That's another way to look at it because sometimes, yeah, your kids—you might look at your kids like, "Oh, my kid will never do self harm. Yeah. There's just no way. I know my kid." But you don't know what else they're wishing upon themselves. And, the thing and is, what thing is, danger—they'll put themselves into allow something else. to happen to them. And or the thing is, else. I yes. saw
3: like. I saw like the Arab around me like, oh, this person committed suicide. They're going to the Naar and stuff like yeah, that. I'm we like, need to oh, talk my like God. That, that's not so it. I'm like, well, I don't want God to be like Angry disappointed with, with me. And my parents, like my parents are already going through this. But I was like, if I die today, would anybody notice? That's what I thought about. And I literally I feel like that day the only thing that like saved those thoughts was my cat, Lola, like ah. I'm being straight up honest, like this cat hates me, like I know for sure she dislikes me, but whenever she knows something is wrong, she comes by me, so I was like I'm literally telling you like she was the one thing that, like, saved me that day, because I wanted to call my mom so bad, because I literally just want to die right now. What's it called? Every so she
2: says that my heart just
3: sinks. That's it, what it's I'm saying, Summer. It's
1: really hard for you to hear this, and I know, Bayan, this was hard for you to even yeah. open up in front of your mom, because you you opened up to your mom. You told her you were going through these things. You didn't explain to this degree. Mm -mm. You didn't explain to the fact that you felt like you really wanted to just be gone from this world. And that's hard to hear as a parent. And it's hard for you to even say this, like, to open up, honestly, about this. Because everybody
3: thinks that I'm just, like, this fine girl with the perfect life. And I'm not at all... Just, like, waking up in the morning, I, I was like, oh, my God, I have to go through this again. And I'm just like, so why did something happen to me while I was sleeping? That's what I would think. Like, why does it something bad just happen to me? Because another thing that was giving me anxiety attacks is I had this constant gut feeling, you're going to die soon. And I was scared, but at the same time, I was like, well, like... I didn't know how to explain w- it yeah isn't that what I want but if I if I want to die why am I so scared of dying and if I want something bad to happen to me because I won't do it to myself why am I scared and I was like my gut feeling is always right and then I'd start getting scared I'm gonna die soon so I was like okay this is en- enough is enough I was like I need to do something about it so back to when I went by my mom like again I don't I have nothing else to lose. So I was like she said something that has to do with like depression and therapy. Oh, cuz she said she went and saw a therapist. Okay. So I was like you went and saw a therapist? I didn't know that. She's like, "Yeah, blah blah blah." She was explaining. She's like, "Why are you feeling like you need somebody to talk to and she was saying in a nice voice i was like what the heck i was like wow your parents know you better than you think i was like whoa and i was like well i was like i don't know if i'm depressed or not she's like well are you sad all the time "Well, well i was like yeah i am she's like really she's like i knew something was up i was like you did and I was like well I would only hide it in my room she's like a mother's instinct is blah, blah, blah. I'm Something cool in front of her but down inside I'm like waiting for her to leave
2: so I can just cry and just but Summer I have to give you
0: like props because I feel like a lot of moms would be on top of their kids pressuring, pressuring them to talk you have that open door policy and I think you've made it very clear to your kids that when you're ready to come talk to me I'm here I'll be your soundboard but I feel like a lot of parents pressure their kids and that, that's and that where pushes it, them away that pushes them away and it makes them feel more stressed like I'm i trapped. can't open mm-hmm. up yes. to my mom you can't
1: be a helicopter mom you feel more trapped more suffocated when your parents are constantly yes. asking you what's wrong what's wrong
3: because you're and not old, you're not ready to open up yet you're not when i'm ready you, i'll come to you you have yeah my dad has that problem My dad has that problem with asking me, like, what's wrong, blah, blah, blah. And then he'll keep asking me. And I'll be like, I'm in a bad mood right now. Please don't talk to me. I'll come to you when I'm ready. Because the problem I have is if you keep asking me what's wrong, well, I'm already irritated, I'm going to get more angry. And I'm going to take it out of my way. And it causes
2: the fight between her and her dad. And I have to kind of tell him, like, babe, just chill. And I'm like, what do you mean, chill? That's my daughter. If there's something going on with her, I need to know. I was like, she's not going to tell you. That's exactly how I am. I think it's an
1: Arab dad parent mentality like even just in general parent mentality because it's just like it's weird to t- let your kids talk to you that way to tell that to tell their parents like give me my space like you you know our older cousins weren't raised that way to tell their parents give me my space like you were not <laughs> well like, he's yeah. looking
2: back at the third grader who had a crush that's what he's looking yeah. at like well why not why should you tell me now there's a completely different age gap now like you have to understand and he's like well you should talk to him. i'm like even if i go to her no matter who goes to her exactly i'm like anyone can come to her i told her i said look if you want to go to therapy i will find you the best let's do this together and we literally did it together i got all the resources i said you go through this and i'll go through this and we'll come together and we'll find you know the best one that you feel comfortable enough so we narrowed them down to 5 and from the 5 she passed them on to me i think there was like over 50 or something it was a oh, lot true. so she narrowed them down to five. I took these five and I started re- looking them up, start researching them and everything, and I found the best one that I felt was good, who I called and explained the situation, and I was comfortable enough. She went and had her session immediately after her session, she calls me, she's like, I love her. and, and I she so felt much. so I can hear it in her voice that she felt better, and whatever it is that she was holding on inside. And I told her this. I said, Mama, we will never ask you what you spoke about. That is your business and your therapist.
3: That was a problem I was scared about because the way my dad is, is he (laughs) likes to know everything, everything. And that was another little thing that would cause my anxiety is because my dad would constantly FaceTime me. He'd call me, text me when I was out. I'm like, does he not trust me? Mm And And that would bother me so much.
2: He was a helicopter dad. Yeah. that was his. It was like his job. He's so, he is very protective. And it's not just his kids. It's also myself, his mom, his brothers. He's just, he needs to have control over the protection you know? And I would tell him like, you need to chill. You're just going to keep on pushing her and pushing her and pushing her away from you. You need to just relax. And I would tell her, mom, it's got nothing to do with trust. You've done nothing wrong for us to not trust you. And she's like, well, I literally leave the house. And he calls me like, because he needs to know you're safe. On our way here, he called and he said, Hey, just checking if you guys are okay. Text me as soon as you get inside place
3: but the thing is like she could say whatever she wants to me but my the way my mind interpreted it was the way it of interpreted me, it yeah, i think we've and all gone through that because
0: yeah. like, i've gone through it too my mom will call me a hundred times while i'm out just to make sure i'm safe but at 17 18 years old it's like why really, can't mom? she just yes. yeah and then really you would ask like, like
1: 101 questions yeah. and i'm like oh my god like, we've all done that i want to go back to the therapist i think you made a great point somewhere what's the point of seeing a therapist if your parents are going to know what you're speaking about with it a therapist? should be confident yeah. so why are you adding a therapist if, if at the end of the day you're going to find out everything that your daughter's saying that might as well her just come to you guys no there's a reason why she's not coming to you guys so give her something yes. that yeah. she can open up to can talk to this isn't a western mentality no. or anything like that it's it doesn't say anywhere it's haram for your child to seek therapy she's not seeking therapy over prayer she's supplementing her prayer and her faith with therapy to help her out and i love that you've raised her that way someone i honestly appreciate you and i don't think you have enough credit for, for being the, the the type of mom that you are i'm not saying there's moms that are not as good as you or anything like that i'm just no, saying absolutely. i'm glad that you've extended yourself to that point where you've been so understanding towards bayan and bayan like yeah. it's amazing that you are opening up and talking to a therapist because I think that's even it's not easy when your parents just say oh here's a therapist and okay yeah yeah, I get to talk to a therapist it's it's still hard for you yeah it was hard because
2: before I purposely because of what she just said that she had the fear of having this session and then leaving and having to go through the anxiety of what do I tell my father so I purposely made sure that it was her dad who took her filled out the paperwork, and stepped out of that office. And the only reason why he went that day was to fill out the paperwork. That was it. I said, from then on, you are responsible of making your appointments. You are responsible for getting yourself there. You are going to be responsible of your own healing. You are in control of it. We are here to support you, and that's our job as parents. And that's why I wanted her dad to take her so she can feel that calmness of, oh, my God. He didn't ask me anything because I'm pretty sure the second she walked out of the office, she had the fear of, he's going to ask me, he's going to ask me am I right
3: yeah because um I remember when we were bo- about to leave I was like mom come on like I'm gonna be late and she's like your dad is taking I was like what do you mean he's taking me <laughs> Like, this I is was like I was like no I was like I'm not going if you don't take me she's like that's the only way you're getting there blah, blah blah I was like oh my god like then I start overthinking like is he gonna stay there with me is he gonna ask me this that blah, blah blah them. and that's the thing like with overthinking is like you have no positive thoughts whatsoever like it's I it's it's serious yeah it's very true I'm you gonna don't. put a little example this is kind of irrelevant I remember telling you about this about how Ariana Grande is like my top role model the thing is like I looked up to her and looked at what she went through too and I put like what my mom went through and I kind of related it and like when I was going through what I was going through I was like my mom like she saw something that nobody ever should have to see and I was like but she's still standing here today and I was like I've never really like I would think like I haven't been through anything like I have no reason to be sad.
2: I do want to make I do want to make something clear. It's awesome that, you know, someone who's going through depression or anxiety or any mental health issues, you know, shouldn't be comparing how traumatic theirs is or how severe, you know, their journey is. You can look at someone as inspiration and say, well, they've been through so much. If they can do it, I can do it. Yeah, that's how I thought of it. Inspiration, exactly. Yes, you can look at them as an inspiration, but you shouldn't look at it as like, well, I didn't go through these traumatic events. Why should I be feeling like this? You could be feeling a certain type of way. It has nothing to do with losing someone. It has nothing to do with, you know, being in a tragic event. It could simply be just as you internally of you feeling not good enough, being bullied, which I know we'll discuss later, but... And that's why and I said I felt like I failed by, you know, and guilty by telling them is because she was going through these emotions and she was comparing her emotions to what I went through.
0: And yeah. I just, I felt. Yeah, we can't compare battle wounds. And I exactly. think a lot of us are, we have are guilty of that. Yeah, we, you know, like, oh, and, and you mentioned a few times, like, oh, I have both my parents. Oh, I live in a nice house. Oh, I drive a car. Just because you have those materialistic things, no matter what anyone tells you, those materialistic things. Things won't fill the emptiness. Yeah. That that hole. Exactly. They won't fill that hole. We have to stop guilting people, making them feel guilty for feeling certain ways. People feel so you can have you can be on top of the moon and you can have everything you've ever wanted, but you're
1: still going to feel down. Yeah, still weighing you down. I think also back to summer, I think a lot of things that you, you mentioned a great point, like you have allowed yourself to be so confident in the type of mom that you are, that you've allowed yourself to outsource your kid to find other people to help you out with them, because I think as a parent. You guys, parents stretch themselves so thin, and you put all this burden on you, and you expect yourself, like any time your kid is going through something, you kind of almost internalize it yourself, and that's not. Good. You cannot pour from an empty cup. How are you ever going to help your kids heal if you yourself feel like you are the reason why your kids are depressed or whatever? It's 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 okay to outsource your kids, and that sounds horrible, but you know what I mean. Like allowing them to go seek help outside of the home, like this therapist. How much has it helped you, babe? It I'm her support. A lot.
2: Yeah, I'm just her support. To She's in control of her healing, and that's super important. There's nothing wrong with outsourcing, and I know that she was going to be on a better healing journey if we outsourced it versus her telling because there's her things or feelings or whatever emotions that she's going through that she can she can't or doesn't feel comfortable to tell me or her father. Yeah, well, it's not
0: even that. Let's say like you were having trouble with math. Wouldn't you hire a tutor to help her? Exactly. It's the same thing. Oh you're having trouble with yes. your mental health. You're going to hire a professional who knows what they're doing to yeah, help you. Why
1: wouldn't someone internalize the fact that she's not good at math? Not saying that you're not, but <laughs> we can easily, yeah, flip the hair, but easily when it comes to therapy, it's like, oh, no, 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 we can't do that because that brings us to the stigma surrounding mental health in yeah. our community. Believe it
2: or not, it's kind of, I, I believe everything happens for a reason. Actually, my son went through um, a really bad episode of anxiety And his was very, it was more so was with school and math. And to come in one day and basically have him cry and say how stupid he is. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. I don't get it. And he's crying full blown tears, anxiety in that moment to see him go through that. I cried because I was like, my son feels like he's stupid. I'm like, mama, you're not stupid. Okay. It's just, you need someone to teach you these things and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. When I put my son in uh, Mathnasium for tutoring, to see my son come back just after three sessions, to feel so confident in his math, to feel amazing to go to class and to help other children with these math problems for him to come home and, and tell me like, mom, you know how this problem da 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 whatever. Well, I helped you know Joshua with his and I, now I help the teacher. She tells me to help the kids. To see I've just helped my son progress make him feel great about himself, it's the same thing with everything. If your child is having difficulty in a subject, um, there's nothing wrong with getting tutoring. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. I mean, I was great in school, but I didn't have the patience to sit with him and go through this. You know, you're talking about someone who is running a store, who's DJing, who's a wife, who's a mom, who's cooking, who's cleaning, who's doing all this stuff, and now you want me to sit for an hour or two to sit with you and explain it? I don't have the patience. I'm going to do what the best thing that I can do is hire a professional.
1: It's just super important, Somewhere, just like you said, do not brush these issues off. Like when your kids are coming to you or when they're struggling, and maybe they're not coming directly and being direct about what's what they're dealing with, but here you were, you were able to see that Bayan was going through something herself. How are you, like as a mom right now, like looking at your daughter and how far she's come, like how proud are you? I'm are so you over? proud and of what her. What advice do you have for parents that are probably, they don't know that they have a kid under, under the roof that is dealing with issues such as anxiety, depression, or school and all that stuff?
2: Listen... Look and listen. And when I say look, look for things that are out of the norm and listen to how your child is speaking, about others, about themselves, or to you, you know just just look and listen.
0: Yeah, and I also want to point out, normalize the conversation around mental health, because that's exactly what you did. You were sitting in that kitchen one day talking about how you were going to therapy. And that's exactly what your daughter needed to hear in that moment. The fact that you normalize that conversation, that you're so open about what you're going through and how you're seeking help, you don't realize how that's
1: helping your children. I have a question though, like what about if you had immigrant parents who don't know the first thing about mental health because there's a lot of trauma that they've endured and they've internalized and they've just call us like they see themselves like it's that's what I'm dealing with and it's not a big deal and that's it because our parents they put on this veil, not you know, our immigrant parents of that generation that came from Palestine, they came from whatever country and they were dealing with this. How do you open up to immigrant parents, people that were not born here, that don't understand what mental health is, that don't understand the issues your kids are going through?
2: Well, I mean, I can tell you that I'm grateful for my dad because after my mom passed and you know, we were all so depressed and seeing what I was going through and to mm-hmm. see my father actually having to go, you know, basically going through counseling and learning those tools. Before all of this, I, my dad would have definitely been like, Exactly. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with you. This and that, education. But now you know, when I told my, my dad about Bayan, and again with her permission, he was like, "That's good." I'm like, "Wow, that's, that's progress." A yeah, way, yeah. On the other hand, she told her grandma, uh, my mother in law, and my mother in law was like, "You want to put more stress on your dad?" And I was like,
3: Don't "When I, I heard say that, that. <laughs>
2: yeah." yeah.
1: It I had an anxiety attack because right because you after. think now you're the issue. You're you're another issue for your dad. Yeah, because
3: yeah. I already was feeling hated, and I was like, dang. So my grandma wants to say that now, and I got mad from it, and it irritated me because I get irritated easily. But I feel like when you go and see a therapist, like that comfort of knowing it's a stranger and knowing there's it's a no judgment zone. It's like you find comfort in it because I remember she kept telling me, "Don't worry, everything is confidential." You and back to the thing about like my dad. Right when I walked out of that room, well, first when we walked in he actually had to physically come in the room and I was like, oh my God. And he signed the papers and everything. He was like, okay, I'm gonna go I was like, oh. When he left, I was like, oh, okay. But there was like a crack under the door and I was like, what if he's outside listening? And I was like, <laughs> I was scared. But the moment when I sat on that couch that she already asked me, like, I don't even know how many questions, I started crying to her. And like, I just saw her on Friday actually. And like, the thing is she remembers everything. And it's like, just that attention that I need. And it's like, well, the stranger's giving me attention. Like, I don't you know how to explain important. it. You feel important. You really yeah. do. And back to your grandmother, like, hold on, she's a probably very loving grandmother. Yeah, she loves you to dad, to Your dad, fam- your your
1: entire family, extended family. They just don't understand. They just she understand yeah, they don't understand. But I love that you go to a, to your therapist, somebody that does understand. So it's like sometimes you can't force people onto your healing journey. Just deal with it on your own. And just like now, you know what to talk about when it comes to your grandmother. You know what to talk about with her. And you, and you, sometimes you, it's it's. I know you want to open up to other people and allow them in, especially. To your healing journey, and you want them to be accepting of it. I think we always want the people that we love the most to be accepting of all the choices that we make. And the reality of it is, they're not. Even your own mom sometimes might not be accepting of everything that you decide to do. But it doesn't mean doesn't mean that you're going to make bad choices. Yeah. But sometimes like on, like your happiness is not going to always align with that of the people that
2: you love. Yeah, exactly. my mother-in-law. Yeah, I had to sit with like I had to I was like, can you come here for a second? <laughs> and I was like, you know, I just sat her down and as and I explained to her, I said. Look, you don't say that to someone that's going through, you know, what she's going through. You know, just be supportive. She's like, I didn't mean it like that. I was like, I know you didn't. We know. You know, she's a very loving person. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, She just didn't know how to react. I think she was like, kind of like in shock, like, man, why? You know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, going through the emotions. It's just making sure that it's captured. It's taken care of. It's diagnosed. And now let's cure the problem
1: when you know that there's an issue take care of it right away and face it head on i think we allow our kids to deal with so much on their own and behind that. closed doors yeah. and it's something that's not even haram and i think we make everything haram and naib, and then we don't want to portray to the rest of the community that there's something wrong with my kid like you can't do that to your kid you cannot and allow it was them to something that to i suffer.
3: it was something that i feel like i suffered alone for a, like a long time yeah, and I, I believe that was my fault But like at the same time, I was scared and I even I knew like my mom was my best friend and I knew I could go talk to her. It was just like I had somebody come into my life and like right after a couple months after I lost my quote best friend and I told this person all the ways I was hurt, my secrets, my family everything everything this person knew everything about me and in the end that person just did me a hundred times worse and you say the word fault and I know it's easy for us to just slip those type of words out but you can't
1: find fault in yourself in something that you're you're dealing with for the first time yeah and you can't control of, it too i there's a lot of times i look back on my teenage years i'm like man it was my fault for talking to this person it was my fault for befriending this girl It was my fault for doing this this and that or sometimes i even put blame on other people but it's just you have to realize you have to take things day by day and do not put fault or blame on yourself on something a journey that you've just experienced yeah, for the exactly. first time and losing friends happens a lot i had a friend for we were best friends for 10 years. But again, quote unquote, you you define best friends as something completely different in your teenage years. And then when you grow up, a best friend is completely something else. And yeah. as you're growing, you're going to start redefining things in your own way. And that's OK. And then you're going to lose some people along the way as well. Yeah. And that's
3: also OK. And I'd say like therapy did help me a lot. Like even when... Even now, people say to me, man, like, you grew so much. Like, the way you're handling this situation is so much better. Or stuff it's like so that. True. And now, when I look back on things, I'm like, well, everything happens for a reason. Or maybe this person left because this person's going to come. Or this person left because they were going to do this to me. And I now I find, like, the lessons in things. And I believe in, like, a small circle is better. I'd say right now that, like, I have, like, maybe three or four friends. You know, sometimes, I don't know how to explain it, like... I still feel lonely like my depression and anxiety was bad it was really bad and it's still there but it's not bad as it was and it definitely has gotten better sometimes I will have those days where I just break down and I'm like what if I didn't get better blah blah blah. but I'm like no I did get better and I just have to get over it and it was something I told my therapist the other day too like how I had that episode I was like what if I didn't get better and then she started talking to me about like well look how you handled this situation look how you talk to people now like you grew up and I'm like man I really did like the old band would be crying about this and that I think even as adults sometimes we need
1: reminders of all the good things that are happening in our lives because I think we always it depends on what you put weight on everything comes into your life weightless and you choose to put weight on whatever you want to so sometimes Mm -hmm. I think we put a lot of weight on the burdens or the hardships we're facing and we allow our blessings to just like disappear into thin air because we never even appreciated them when they were here or even the choices that you made or the way you've grown you don't put a lot of weight onto that you just like let it just disappear and dissipate it but you forget but you start reminding yourself of all the hardships you're facing and that's something that just constantly plays over and over in your mind so it's you're giving the power to your hardships and you have to start Transitioning this power
3: and just kind of like shifting it over to the good things that are happening. And the thing with anxiety is you feel like you can't control it. Like little things give me anxiety. At school, I I say I have anxiety every day. And there were times like in that time I told you about from August to October, I'd get I get anxiety attacks at school, which was something that didn't happen to me before. And that's why I didn't want to go to school anymore because that feeling would just get worse at school. And I'd go to my counselor and I'd cry to him and everything. And I knew like my counselor was confidential too. But so, when I was in that room once with my therapist or my counselor, that's when everything would come out. And I was just like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I felt like finally I had that person who would listen. But like, I know my mom would listen, but I just didn't, I couldn't find myself. You might be biased. You might be biased. And when you're
1: opening up and you're pouring all these emotions, you're pouring it into somebody. That isn't gonna, gonna that you're you. not taking, yeah, that's not judging you mm-hmm. and you're not taking them home with you. So you're not reminded of the things that you just opened up with. Because yeah. imagine you opening up to your mom. Your mom is somebody yeah. you're facing every single day. It's hard to be like, oh, I, I, I at that moment, if I wanted to open up to my mom, but now I wish I kind of didn't. Not that, you know, no, it's it's so, that, there's just that barrier sometimes with parents. But now you have this stranger who you only, and I don't wanna say she's a stranger anymore. She's your therapist.
3: it's Is it a she or is it a he? Um, my counselor is a he and my therapist is a she. Yeah. Like, she's like, I don't know. Now when I go, it's just different because I feel like we've gotten so close. She's I love her. Now. She's gonna listen to this because I told okay, her about that's it. That's so nice. <laughs> that's so nice because I want to promote
1: mental health in that aspect where it's it's a positive healing experience it doesn't mean your kid is any less than than any other mm-hmm. kid out there and you can help them you can either continue this cycle of trauma for your kid or you can help them heal because there is a way to heal because look at you summer where you are right now where you're able to control certain things in your life is everything perfect no it will never be perfect no, no
2: there's n- never a world it where exist. There, there is no perfect world you know and anyone who says they live in a perfect world well then they're just definitely blind ban did start with her her counselor and you know i can't express how important it is that you know our mental state and our kids' mental state needs to be healthy and if you know there are parents that are not comfortable taking their kids to therapists which i again there is absolutely nothing wrong with it and if there are kids that are list that do listen to this and they do have you know the um access to a counselor start there start there say what you have to say speak to them see how you feel and you feel good about that that guidance counselor can help you and walk you through it
0: that's a good point point. and also colleges like that, yeah. offer a lot of free therapy and they have they therapists do. on on campus so they there's do. always there's always resources you have to just look for them they have school counselors college campuses like you just have to look for them they're there and also reach out to people your parents might not understand
3: it but i feel they can like reach out to my- me It's funny story. I I went to my counselor first before my mom knew about anything. Because when I noticed that it was starting to happen at school, I was like, okay, this is a problem. And I went to my counselor, and I cried to him. And he was like, does your mom know and stuff? I was like, no, like, please don't call her and stuff like that. But as I progressively keep going to him, I was like, I like this feeling of, like, finally being able to let out whatever i'm feeling for the day if i had a minor inconvenience and it irritated me at school i can't do anything about it and i didn't want to text my mom again and take me out of school so i'd go to my counselor which would start helping me and once i like would get used to that feeling i was like, okay and that's when progressively i'd go and end up telling my mom and now like i go to therapy every two weeks and it helps a lot it, like when I compare the way I was my first session versus now, I was like, wow.
2: When she started you know, on therapy, she told her counselor that she finally told me, he called me and he said, you don't understand how important it is. Your daughter is comfortable enough to come to tell you and for you to take the next step to put her in therapy, to give her the option of getting therapy. And I said, that's, believe me, (laughs) you're talking to someone who's been there and done that. So, you know, and again, I say, alhamdulillah, you know, I don't know if this is the reason why I went through what I went through so that, you know, in case this does happen, I have a better understanding. I don't know how it would have been if I didn't go through what I wouldn't through. That's what I'm saying. You when know? it comes to
1: immigrant parents or other parents that didn't don't know the first thing about helping your child or even realizing your child is going through something, it's really, really hard. I think this was a very healing and, and such an amazing conversation that we had. And I think it was so, I kept telling you so many times that it was much, much needed, honestly, because... There's never been a time where we've had like both a mother and daughter duo to talk about mental health because there is always that barrier where there's parents that are dealing with mental health, but they don't know how to open up to their kids, or there's kids dealing with mental health and they don't know how to open up to their parents. But here we have a mom and a daughter that are dealing with this. And also your husband's part of this journey too. It's not like he's not part of this journey. Yeah. So oh, absolutely. What is like the last, last advice that you have for people who are listening, who are struggling, who might be going through this, who need that extra push to just seek the resources that they need or just to know that push yourself to know that there's hope out there to hold on to that last bit of hope that you are needed that you're not somebody that if you were to do something to yourself that nobody would care everybody there's you there's somebody out there
3: that does care for you there is it's just we really internalize our feelings so much i just want to say like It doesn't matter if you're my age or if you're older, like everybody goes through things. But if you are feeling the way you're feeling, like there's no need to be embarrassed or ashamed of it, and you can do something about it. In the end, everything will be okay. That's, I feel like that's all I need to say for advice on that. And if anybody ever needs to like reach out to me, like there's always my Instagram DMs and stuff, and I'd be happy to help other people. Just even
1: somebody your age, Bayan, because I know there's a lot of women that came to you. Somewhere, but now you even have somebody as a teenager yeah and yeah. then of course i really want to emphasize that men go through these issues as well because i think we always expect our men to be the, the the person in the household that has to carry the family protect the family do this do that all the responsibilities and you better not even cry about it or anything like that there's a lot of stress that our, the men in our family deal with a lot too oh my god so much pressure i don't even i can't even imagine the type of pressure they're under and they
0: always have to be like islam mm. like they can never cry, mm. they can Yeah, Yeah. it's too much.
2: I mean, honestly, going, talking about mental health and just kind of touching base with your kids, ask them, how was school today? What, you know, what'd you do at work today? Are you hungry? Just, you know, talking to them as if, you know, as they're adults, no matter what their age is. Because you also have to understand if your child is going through something that you're not aware of, it could be bullying, it could be eating habits, it could be self esteem, it could be friendship, feeling, you know, you know, rejection, not being accepted. Um, like I told you, Dunia, bullying. Bullying is not just a one thing 24-7 now, you know, where you're going to school, you're being bullied, but now you have to go home and see it on social media. So it's not where we were, like, you went to school, you got bullied, it was a done deal, you went home. So normalizing the conversation, like you said, um, is super important, and just making sure in our community, we have to we have to come together and realize that this is not a shameful thing. Even at Masikna, they told me that um, a sheikh was discussing mental illness and how it's important to seek help and how important it is, you know, to get the counselor and to get in mental health is is a huge thing and that if they needed help that he would provide them with the resources
1: wow that's awesome i did go to mass and there was one massacre it wasn't last year it was a year before that it i
2: believe last year they
1: well then- the, the, even the year before that it was really they really emphasized mental health it, they really yeah. emphasized it and they humanized our profit and and everything like that so i think that's I, our community is moving towards that direction it's just taking so. a little bit more time on a smaller scale do we still do the gossiping, then talking, all that? Yes, we do. Absolutely. Inshallah, that one day goes away. But I think on a grander scale, we are moving towards that direction. And then what's also cool is that you see young people that are your age band, they're going to college and they want to become therapists. They want to become psychologists. They want to be that counselor that helps kids. Because I think we are starting to normalize this conversation and we see how much more needed it is. And I think when it comes to therapists and mental health and stuff like that, sometimes we think it's really expensive. But there are ways to seek that guidance for free. Like it is at your there college campus. There even- is. Yeah. With our
2: insurance, our with with insurance, our insurance yeah. um, I think they provided like five free sessions, and then after that, it was like a um, pro-rated, prorated uh pricer or whatnot. But a lot of insurances um, yeah. do provide. I didn't realize
0: that until recently. Actually, companies yeah. do.
2: I mean, they give you, they even they give you a lot of resources. But you know, I did, and now. Here I am, and I'm sure, like, why would you put your daughter on that situation? I didn't put my daughter. My daughter made that choice, and I'm proud of her for making that choice.
3: Yeah, and you should be. Because a lot of people have gone through what I went through and what I'm still going through, and they're too afraid to speak up. And I've learned through my journey that, like, those people are not going to matter in the end. Like, the only person that's going to change the way you feel is you. And I think, like, for the people who don't have a voice or are too afraid to speak up, I just wanted to be that voice for them.
1: I think that's honestly the best yeah. way to end it. And for that, for every one person that has something negative to say, trust me, there's hundreds of more people that are so appreciative of you both Absolutely. sharing your stories because you know that um, I'm thankful that we are talking about this, but it's also bitter in a way that it's sad that to see that so many people are struggling with depression and anxiety. But inshallah, the more we open up about these conversations, the more these individuals don't feel alone in what they're dealing with and they know that you are here for them somewhere as well as you, Bayan. And we'll definitely share your handles if you're comfortable with the, your Instagram handle just so they can know that there's somebody to reach out to and just to talk you know what I mean Mm -hmm. just to talk because you don't know that one person that's almost just one step away from just completely ending their and life. I and that, I think that's you've really seen that sad. One little and somewhere thing. you've talked to people like that. And we've had somebody in yeah. our DMs too, which I'm actually still talking to. And it's 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 just nice to be able to just not to be that savior or anything like that, no. but just to know that you're that person that's going to listen to them and let them know that they're still worthy of living because yeah. everybody is. So I really want to thank you guys. Well, of this, this conversation was so, so, so needed. And it really just, it helps. It really it helps really everybody. Does, yeah. Regardless if you're going through something or not, there's somebody in your life or somebody even in your own house that's going through something. So at least now you can see the signs of what it is. Absolutely. Thank I mean, you girls. It takes one Thank little you. thing just exactly. to help somebody. Thank you so Love much, Bain, for being such are. a brave girl. Yeah. Mashallah, you're very wise beyond your years. You put me, 17-year-old me, to shame, to be honest. It's like, <laughs> yeah, oh my Mashallah, God. the kids these days are just so grown and just, you're doing great and inshallah, you continue to heal and inshallah, Allah gives you like the blessings of having your parents in your life because there's such strong pillars. Well, I think we need to really appreciate our parents more than we <laughs> Oh yeah, give them credit to be honest. So thank, thank you guys. You guys.
2: So much. Thank you.
0: I love how Summer's door is always open to her kids, and I think that's something that we can all learn from. Um, I think a lot of kids are going through things and experiencing things, but they keep it hush hush. They keep it closed off from their parents because they're afraid of how their parents are going to react and they just never want to be a
1: disappointment but that's so true and did you realize like even summer is dealing with her own thing so i feel like sometimes we don't give our parents the benefit of the doubt when we're like growing up you know what i mean but now it's like when you have that door open you have a two-way street of communication and you guys can talk about it but i know it's easier said than done there are moments where you feel uncomfortable that you don't feel like there is an open door policy so what should we do in that instance when there isn't i guess an open door policy should we take it upon ourselves to open that door between us? and our parents or what I think do do? it's
0: important to do that because yeah. I feel like once you make that initial conversation with your parents you have that conversation you're allowing it to be easier I think it won't be easy at the beginning but I think the more that you talk about these things the more that you share your feelings share what you're going through the easier it will become, hopefully.
1: I I definitely agree. See, but like in Summer's instance, she went through with this, so she knew how to help her kids. But did you see, she almost kind of broke down too at one point because she didn't realize the extent of what Bayan was going through. So I feel like as kids, like when we were younger, we still hold off on some certain things to tell our parents because we feel like they might not fully understand us. Or we don't want to worry them. Or we don't want to worry them. because I I feel like that's
0: something that I I never want to put more stress on my mom's plate. But I think our moms always know if there's something wrong. You know what I mean? Like my mom, I'll pick up the phone and I'll... Just by saying hi, just the way that I answer the phone, she'll be like, what's wrong? Like what's going on? Something's wrong. So I feel like we worry them more by not opening
1: up and just sharing what's going on. I think this episode was incredible because this is the first time we have a mother and daughter yeah. talking about these things but even just in our community i know it happens amongst other families alhamdulillah, but then there's other families on the flip side where this doesn't happen no. where people live in toxic households and they don't have that uh, you know open door policy or just that even a conversation with their parents where they can open up about certain things or just even have a normal conversation with their parents without even opening up a lot of people do grow up in toxic households so that's very sad so i really hope like we can continue these conversations where we can normalize having these conversations between our parents and kids and even grandparents whoever you're living with even your guardians you know what i mean so yeah and
0: just just learn from what message that summer has it's just you you want to protect your kids you want to be there for your kids and that also includes their mental health she also gives her
1: a bit of independence like here like, like summer did it so well um i'm not saying she's a poster child of how to raise your yeah. kids summer does not want that responsibility being put on her but did you see how they allowed her to go see a therapist they recommended that but not only that but they made sure that they stayed independent of the therapist like they didn't like go after like a ban was done talking to the therapist and ask the therapist like okay so what what's wrong with my daughter what's going on no they allowed their daughter to form her own relationship with the therapist and they kept it like just a, a nice relationship between her and her and her therapist, and that's it. The parents are not involved.
0: Yeah, you can't be a helicopter parent. Yeah, and I think that's the lesson learned in this situation is that you have to give them that space to grow and be their own person but still be there as their support and backbone.
1: We want to thank you guys for, you know, coming and tuning in week after week, for listening to our episodes, for just even wanting to even be on our podcast and share your experiences and share your stories. Because again, like we said, more often than not, Zane and I just, you know, we purchase these mics, but we don't want to be the only ones talking. We want to hand over the mics to everybody else, especially within our own community of Muslim women, to share their stories. And we always want our podcast to be inclusive. Yes, we may have female guests, but we also want to extend a thank you to our male listeners because again behind closed doors in their dms they they are very thankful for the stories that we have shared because it has also helped them and their relationship with their parent with their moms with their sisters with their wives and whatnot so i just want this to be a cycle of us just growing learning with one another i love that yeah yeah and we really truly appreciate if you guys can you know just submit us a review we haven't had one in a while i think because we haven't been like pushing yeah honestly
0: right now i think we need all the positivity in our lives as possible so please if you
1: have the time just send a little quick review for us it takes two seconds just jump on the apple podcast app you guys you don't even have to write a review but we really truly appreciate it when you guys do write it but it's like if a you little guys... message from you guys yeah. and we love that give us the five stars that we're, <laughs> we're asking you for and we'll be good but again thank you guys for tuning in inshallah we'll catch you guys next week bye